Karen demands proof that we will refund her $5. So my boss writes her an IOU. Have you ever had the irresistible urge to argue with someone for over an hour about $5? Me either. But I clearly don't speak for everyone because one customer at a clothing store I work at did exactly that. I begin this tale directly in the fray, but become an observer once my assistant manager takes control of the situation. I am me, a cashier. My coworker will be nicknamed JJ, and our assistant manager will be nicknamed Didi. We work in a semi-pricey women's clothing store in a semi-busy mall. The crazy lady will be called Cookie because her last name reminds me of one of those Italian biscuits. I will never forget her red glasses. I am at the register conducting for Cookie what I assume to be an ordinary return. When I hit the button to tender, I see exactly how she will be getting her money back. Alright, you're getting back X amount of dollars on your card and $5 back on a gift card, I tell her. Can you put those $5 on my credit card instead? She asked me. I get this question often. No, unfortunately, we can only refund you the way you originally paid, I inform her. Did you use a gift card when you paid for this? Yes, but you should be able to put it all back on my credit card. She keeps insisting that I somehow am able to perform a task that I cannot, and eventually asks to call a customer service rep. I swear, can you call customer service? Is the new, can I speak to the manager? I agree to call customer service and see if they can transfer the money over to Cookie's credit card, and I am halfway to picking up the phone when our assistant manager, Dee Dee, walks by. Is everything okay here? She asks. I fill her in on the situation, with Cookie interrupting just to reinstate what I had said. I'll take over here, Dee Dee decides. You clear out the fitting rooms. I go and do my allotted task while keeping an eye on the register. I can hear Dee Dee explaining to Cookie what you can do and cannot do. And she soon calls customer service. While she is on hold with them, she answers Cookie's insane questions. I should be noted that Dee Dee has a tendency to call everyone honey and darling. It's an adorable plague among the managers at the store. Don't patronize me, Cookie spits. What did I do, Dee Dee asks, confused. You keep calling me honey. Stop with the sarcasm. I'm not being sarcastic, that's just how I talk. If you want me to stop doing that, I will stop. Every time I circle back to the register for clothes to put back, I hear some sort of insult being hurled at Dee Dee. I don't know why you had to interfere. The other girl was handling it perfectly. I know fully well that the only reason Cookie thinks I was handling it perfectly is because I didn't stick around long enough for her to find a reason to hate me. Almost an hour and a half passes with Cookie's verbal abuse at Dee Dee only escalating. The only employee in the store is JJ, who is eyeing the exchange with grave concern. When we are out of earshot of Cookie and any rational customer, all of whom are doing their utmost to ignore the woman throwing a public tantrum, JJ says, We should call mall security. We can, I ask? Yeah, she can't be doing this and she won't leave. She's almost violent too. I feel so bad for Dee Dee. What's the mall security number? I don't know. Check the register. I walk by the register and grab a hold tag. There's a list of relevant phone numbers posted on the monitor, including customer service and mall security. I grab a post-it note and I jot it down, posting the number on the bulletin in the back of the store. I'm hesitant to call mall security for an incident that has not turned into physical violence, though JJ walks by and seems to notice the security number too, but she also doesn't call. Sorry, y'all are going to get blue balled today. Cookie isn't going to be dragged out of the store screaming. We keep the store running while Cookie forces Dee Dee to call internal customer service, hang up when she's put on hold for more than three minutes, and then call again when she decides she needs customer service again, rinse and repeat. Dee Dee looks mad, but she keeps her cool. She's clearly past her boiling point. I will remind you that this is all over $5. 
$5. So they can put all your money back on your credit card. It will take a few days to process, Dee Dee says. Customer service has miraculously found a way. All hell our lord and savior, customer service. Of course, Cookie still isn't satisfied. I want it today. How can I trust that I'll get my money back? I want a receipt. Dee Dee chats back with the customer service person on the phone. Ma'am, we can only do it in a few days if you want your money back. No, I want a receipt. It's been half an hour. You can't keep me here. I'm not keeping you here. You can leave at any time you want. I can't leave without my money, but you won't give it to me. I just want to go home. Again, this was all over $5. And I'm telling you, we can give you your money back all on your credit card if you just give it a few days to go through. You can't do this to me. I need to go home. $5, people. It's all over $5. I keep working for another half an hour to the dreadful chore of, give me my money back. And I just want to go home. The latter sentence sounds like a child would when they ask their parents to go home. But this was a whole grown adult. It's been an hour. Let me leave. Five freaking dollars, ladies and gentlemen. I think Dee Dee has spoken to three different customer service representatives by now. She keeps having to hang up because of Cookie's dissatisfaction. Then I hear that sentence. Aren't you going to give me compensation for my time? I've been here for an hour because you've been keeping me here against my will. No, 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 this can't be. We can't give you compensation, only your money back. But you're not even giving me my money back. I want compensation. At 55 minutes into this ordeal, Dee Dee writes Cookie the least legally binding receipt as a confirmation that she will indeed receive her $5 back within a few days. I catch a glimpse. It's akin to a child's IOU, but Cookie seems satisfied. She does not receive compensation, thank golly. Cookie at the long last walks out the doors yelling something about how we kept her far too long and how she can finally leave. You kept Dee Dee for far too long, you old hag. When I get home, I remember that Cookie was there the night before too. She had a back and forth with one of our main managers for half an hour. I remember her bright red glasses. On my next shift, I learned from Dee Dee that Cookie was also at another one of our locations where she threw her purse at the staff. We're crossing our fingers that she gets banned from our stores. But it's been months and while I haven't seen her show up again, she is still active on our customer list. The beast is still out there, y'all. But let me know, what would you have done in this situation? First off, I love getting called honey or sugar, especially when it's from somebody with a southern accent. It sounds so awesome. As for this Karen who caused all this drama, I would have just kept repeating that there is nothing we can do and that she can call customer service herself. But then again, this is the exact reason why I never took a customer service job. And when I was a cashier, I always made sure to get a team lead or manager to deal with customers like this. It's above my pay grade. The new HR lady tries to introduce a new dress code at work. I find a loophole that drives her absolutely crazy. This incident happened about six years ago. The bosses, at the time, were usually very cool and easy to get along with. However, some Karen got into HR and insisted on changing the work culture to suit her desire slash vision. She rewrote the dress code and overnight, instead of being allowed to show up dressed comfortably, as long as it wasn't dirty, smelly, full of holes, looking at you, tech support center, we suddenly had to dress business professional. She even specified the materials the clothing could be made of. She tried almost firing anyone that wouldn't follow the dress code before a manager, one I still love to this day, told her to calm down. Because not only had she not published the dress code, it hadn't even been approved by management yet. HR Karen gets her memories in a knot and pulls strings to get it approved in a couple of days. So in those couple of days, I was reading through the dress code, trying to see what I could do to make her regret it. 
The dress code word for word, clothing is to be made of woolen material only, unless a specified exception is made below. Allowable clothing is listed as business suits, button-up dress shirts, non-monocolor ties, leather shoes, skirts, and blouses. If wearing a skirt or blouse, silk materials are accepted. Okay, note the silk exception was put in solely for her, as she claimed that wool gave her hives. Anyway, the air conditioning had been out for weeks, and we had been getting by in the building with big fans and wearing light shorts and shirts. It was a hot summer. So I searched for a loophole in the new dress code. I'm sure you can already see what loophole I found and exploited. Note, despite having lost a lot of weight since then, I am still a hefty, very hairy man. I'm 200 plus pounds lost since then with a very long beard. So day one of the new dress code on the way to work, I stopped in at a local Goodwill. I bought the most garnished skirt I could find that I could squeeze into and the most feminine blouse I could find. I paid for them and got dressed at the gas station just down the street from my work location. I waltzed into work with lots of stairs coming my way. However, I was the only man on the floor not sitting in a pool of sweat. The skirts are surprisingly breezy and the blouses are like there's nothing at all. Less than 30 minutes in, everyone in the building can hear HR Karen screaming at me as she runs up to my desk and demands I go into her office for disciplinary action. I tell her I cannot do that as the company policy states that disciplinary action can only be undertaken by the employee's team lead and site manager, not HR. She then screams at both of them to force me into her office. They both give me the stink eye, but I give them the thumbs up and a big grin and say, Please, please, please make me go into her air-conditioned office. Did I also mention that she had the only working air conditioner on site? So the four of us trudge into her office, with me grinning ear to ear. Myself and many co-workers laughing as this large, hairy, heavily bearded man in a silk skirt and blouse walks past everyone. All because I, and they, know how ridiculously I look, and how they know I only pulled stunts at work like this when I'm 100% in the right. So we get into HR Karen's office and I sit down. She tells me I'm going to be fired for insubordination and breaking dress code. I laugh in her face and tell her terminations can only be processed upon agreement by the team lead of the employee, site manager, and HR. You are the one that insisted upon and wrote that rule. Unless they both agree, you are lying and can shut up. She was screaming at the top of her lungs at this point. She said it was sexual harassment against all the women in the office for a fat, hairy man to be in women's clothing. Oh, can you point out the dress code in where only women are allowed to wear skirts and blouses? As soon as I said that, my team lead suddenly lit up and started giggling as he knew where I was taking this. Karen got out a written copy of the dress code and started sputtering and stammering as she read it word for word as I typed above. Gender was not mentioned, only materials and types of clothing allowed. She started screaming at me again for being inappropriate. The site manager looked at her and said, Do you really want to get fired for sexual discrimination and sexual harassment? He has you caught in a ringer over a barrel of fire, and it could cost potentially millions. Strangely enough, the dress code was rescinded before the end of the day, and we were allowed to go back to the way we had been dressing. As an extra, she is no longer with the company. She has been gone for years. She made blunder after blunder, usually screaming at me and my bosses, but I always pointed her at the policies she made and got approved, as I was only following them to the letter. 
Give this man a medal. I absolutely love this amount of shoving a stupid rule in someone's face. Personally, I would have been pushing to get fired. Hit them with that discrimination lawsuit and most likely get a terrible higher up fired in return. That's a win-win, baby. Remember, folks, just because you are in a position of power doesn't mean you need to use it. Sometimes it's good to just be chill. My boss tells me to stop pestering the grill master, Josh. So I do exactly that and it leads to him getting demoted. Was reminded by another post about my time in fast food and how I maliciously complied. Anyways, back in college, I worked on the on-campus food place. Your basic burgers, fries, wraps, and small salads. My shift started at 11.25, doing wraps until 11.55 when Josh left and I manned the grill and someone else did wraps. Josh was your typical Josh and it was his way or the highway. He'd get really mad when I'd throw more burgers on the grill or flip something while he was trying to chat up the dishwasher. I did this because he had no understanding of how much food was required to feed college students during small breaks between classes. Eventually he complained enough that I was told Josh is on the grill until 11.55 so stop pestering him and do your station. So I did. I stopped touching the grill. The next shift he leaves at 11.55 and I get on the grill and I immediately throw down 400 frozen raw burger patties. Two minutes later, the cashier starts yelling, where are the burgers? Sorry, I just got on the grill and Josh had only five in the warmer and three in the window. I know we always have about 100 students between 11.55 and 12.20 and they almost all get the burger meal and I was told not to touch the grill. The burgers finish after a few minutes and the next batch goes on, but the grill has cooled a little, so it takes even longer. The line of kids waiting for food is longer than the line ordering and management is mad. I get chewed out for not being fast enough and just ask, do you want raw burgers or do you want to talk to Josh? It only took one more shift of this for them to realize that my meddling was actually what kept us afloat during lunch rush. I'd often cook an entire grill of burgers while he was swinging and missing with the dishwasher. They eventually printed out a sheet of how many burgers slash chicken, etc. needed to be prepped for certain rush times and gave Josh a very stern talking to about how to be a team player. Also, Josh sucked because he'd cook all the burgers well done, like well done. Then they'd sit in the warmer for another five to 15 minutes. He didn't even know how to rotate either. So you were eating goddamn hockey pucks. Josh ruined so much ground beef. He eventually got moved to salad and stock because he couldn't be trusted with anything that was fast paced. Management saw how fast everything moved when he wasn't joshing everything up. I love that the name Josh is being used to describe how someone is at their job. We already know what Karen stands for, but I'd like to throw a couple other names out there from personal experience. That person is a Tim would describe people who manipulate others into doing things for them. Felix would be someone who never listens and constantly messes up. And people named Joe are your mom. My Karen neighbor doesn't like where my girlfriend parks and thinks that residents should get priority parking in the streets. I make her regret this later. I live on a cul-de-sac where I rent the back house from my landlords. There's another elderly tenant who lived inside the landlord's house I was very close with and we'll call him Good Sir. I have these neighbors next to me who I've gotten along with for as long as I've lived here. Before the pandemic, the husband, we'll call him Mr. Chill, has been cool with me. My neighbors have three cars between them. Two belong to Mr. Chill and the wife, we'll call her Miss Hypocrite, and the other car belongs to their daughter. We'll call her the hog. When the pandemic hit, Mr. Chill's family, for reasons that didn't make sense to me, suddenly stopped parking their cars in the driveway and would park them all on the curb in front of their houses as well as the hog taking the spot I usually parked in more so than their parents did. 
Finally, after a few months of this going on, I see the hog outside and I ask her if she wouldn't mind sharing the spot. I explain my situation with being overworked and exhausted from my job. She gives me an annoyed look and just responds by saying, I use it. I realize that I'm wasting my time and tell her never mind and go inside. Not even five minutes later, there is a knock at my door and it's good sir letting me know that the neighbors want to talk to me. Mrs. Hypocrite is standing there all upset asking me what the problem is. I explain to Miss Hypocrite what I said to the hog. And she apologizes for coming off so angry and says, You know, the street parking is what it is. It's first come, first serve. And we're not parking to try and give anyone a hard time. The conversation goes nowhere, but it ends peacefully. About a week later, I'm parked in my spot for a change, and my girlfriend comes over to visit with our child. It's summertime, and it's hot. Towards the evening, I get a knock on the door, and it's good sir. He says the neighbors want to talk, and I see Mr. Chill standing right there, and he just asks if my girlfriend could move her car up because she's got a bunch of curb behind her car, but not enough for another car to fit. Before I can even say anything, Miss Hypocrite shows up out of nowhere and goes off saying, I'm sick of going back and forth about this. She is double parked and there's not enough room for another car to fit. I understand that she's your girlfriend and she's visiting, but I believe that residents should have priority parking first. It looks like you guys are trying to save the parking spot for yourselves and I'm not dealing with this anymore. She needs to move her car. I'm in complete shock and I have a lot I want to say, but I don't. I just go inside and ask my girlfriend to move. She thinks they're hypocrites and just moves because she feels like that's all they have to feel proud of in their lives. The only reason I gave in to them is just so my landlords did not get involved and risk it turning into them not wanting to renew my lease. Otherwise, I would have said something. Funny enough, even though they got mad at my GF for double parking, the hog is the queen of doing that on the cul-de-sac without Mrs. Hypocrite telling her anything. Last year in November, good sir wasn't doing too well and went into hospice care. He gave me his car as a gift and a thank you for being family to him. Now I had two cars, two spots, and an idea. Enter petty malicious compliance. Miss Hypocrite said the street parking is first come first serve and that residents should have priority over the parking. Well then, so be it. I only need to use one car and the other can just stay parked. Since I am a resident, I decided to park whichever car I'm not using in the spot that I would normally park at and swap them out every two weeks in rotation. My girlfriend parks where good sir used to. The hog, her boyfriend, and Miss Hypocrite have not touched that spot since I started doing this since one of my two cars is always there. As a little bonus too, Miss Hypocrite put one of their cars they aren't using back in the driveway. And when there's a party going on and all the parking is taken up, The spot in front of their house is sometimes open, and since, again, I am a resident and the guests have taken up all the other spots, well, I guess I do need a spot to park at after all, right? Sorry, Miss Hypocrite or the Hog. I guess you'll have to park around the block and take a nice walk to get to your house. I'm only following what you believe the parking rules should be. Rest in peace, good sir. I miss you every day, and I'll always love you as my own family. But let me know, am I the jerk? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I don't really have that much of an opinion on this story. Parking disputes are always the worst. It's definitely something that has caused me anxiety before because if you've ever had a party and one of your guests slightly blocks a driveway, the way the neighbor approaches you about it can make things hostile real quick. And it's not like they just go away. They live next door. So yeah, I hate parking disputes. I worked for two years trying to get the position I wanted, and when my job gave it to somebody that didn't deserve it, I decided to get my revenge. I worked for two years at a tile store. I handled customers as well as I worked in the warehouse. But for those two years, I worked the earliest shift that no one wanted, because you had to receive the daily truck and put the tile orders away by hand at 6 in the morning. But I also said I would work every Saturday as well. Now, I didn't do this because I hated myself or wanted to suffer. It was because I wanted the outside sales job. The outside salesman that got the job entered right after I started and we hit it off quickly. We will call him Joe. Joe confided in me that he had no plans to continue this job after a year or so. So from the get-go, I said I wanted that job and wanted to work my butt off to get it. Pulling shifts no one wanted, doing jobs no one would do, and doing the things that were definitely not part of my job description. This including doing a lot of outside sales jobs. I would take over when Joe would call out or just needed help. He came to rely on me and gave me part of his job. I saw this as type of an internship and thought it would pay off. Fast forward two years. Joe tells me that he's about to put in his two weeks and to get my resume together. He puts in his two-week notice. I immediately put in my application. I got the backing from both Joe and the branch manager to get the job, and I did a pretty good job on the interview. I knew I was pretty much a shoe-in. I had the seniority, and I had never caused a problem in the time that I was there. I had a very good relationship with the contractors I sold to, and I knew all of them by name. The main part of the outside sales job was working with the contractors, so I felt confident, to say the least, that I had what the company was looking for. Two other people applied as well. An ex-convict who had anger problems, this will come up later, we will call him Bob, and a recently hired woman who had no experience in tile, we will call her Anne. The only other job that she had done was a secretary. 
and she was currently just helping customers with the selections. Both of them were older than me. I was in my early 20s and both of them in their 30s. A couple days later, I got a call from HR telling me I didn't get the job. Instead, they wanted to give it to Anne. I won't lie, I thought I misheard it or that it was a prank at first. The only reason HR would give me as to why they passed me up for the position was, you're just too good of a worker and valuable at your position for us to lose you. You do such a good job and are responsible that we would hate to lose that. So because I'm good at my job, you won't hire me for another one with more responsibilities. But to show you how much we appreciate you, we're giving you a $1 raise. Do I still get my yearly $1 raise on top of this in a couple of months? No, think of this as us giving it to you two months early. After this, I was fuming for a couple of days. Their excuse didn't make any sense and I had a feeling that I was being discriminated against due to my age. However, I was set upon making a point that they had chose the wrong person and came up with a plan. Because I was good at my job, I didn't get the outside sales job. So if I was bad at my job, maybe they would promote me then. Let me rephrase. I wasn't bad at my job, but I told my manager that I no longer would be working the morning shift. I would no longer be working on Saturdays, would no longer do the worst jobs, and would no longer be doing any jobs that fell outside of my job description, including the outside sales job that I've been helping with. Anne goes out for a couple of weeks of training and personal time, during which things are already starting to fall apart. My manager asked me to fill in for Anne just while she is away. He understands why I'm doing what I am, but asks as a personal favor. I agree and things began to get back to where they were before. Anne comes back and I resume my firm stance. Anytime something was supposed to be done by the outside sales position that I normally did, I would send it her way. Customers, problems, heavy things to lift, and just any other favors I used to do for Joe. I refused to do for her. It gave me a little relief to see her running everywhere trying to get everything done. She only asked me once to help her, to which I told her that it wasn't my job. Those first couple of weeks, things were a little rough as most of the jobs were left over from when Joe and I were running things. So most of the problems came up from the daily grind. But the weeks that followed were chaotic to say the least. Items came in late, jobs were missing or unordered, contractors didn't understand where their materials were. Mind you, these guys get paid per job. So every day their materials aren't there is another day they don't work or get paid. So when their materials don't come in, their workers who are paid hourly are getting paid for no reason at all. My favorite one was when she accidentally sent an order across the country costing the company thousands as we lost money on that job. As things were starting to turn into a dumpster fire, as I knew it would, HR called me in to talk about my attitude. We have heard of your attitude as of late. It doesn't sound like you're being a team player. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Have I said something hurtful to someone? No. Did I hurt someone's feelings unintentionally? No. Then I don't understand what attitude you're talking about then. We have received word that you aren't being as helpful as you were to Joe as you are now to Anne. Well, you see, I'm far too valuable at my current job. I can't possibly detract away from that. They immediately saw that they had made a mistake giving me that reason as to why they didn't hire me. They then told me that I needed to be more of a team player and that they would pay me an additional $1 an hour when the yearly raise came up in two months. I told them that it wasn't my job to do what they were asking and if they wanted me to do that, they would have to negotiate my contract. They told me that they would need to discuss it and to reconsider being a team player. I didn't relent and they weren't interested in renegotiating my contract. Well, two months after Anne got the job and things went to hell, she stepped down. Again, I put in my resume, as did Bob. Now, remember how I said he had a slight anger issue? Well, that came to a head just before Anne put in her two weeks notice. Bob threatened a contractor. The contractor was a real piece of work, but that doesn't excuse the fact that Bob threatened the guy. 
Regardless, with that now happening and Anne putting in her two weeks, I couldn't see how they could not hire me. It was me or someone who threatened customers. Once again, I go through the process, but this time I play my cards close to my chest. They didn't know that after Anne was first chosen over me, I started to look for a new job. Just as the interview process went on, just as this interview process was going on, a company called me back and offered me an outside sales job at their company. It was lower pay than my current companies, but they didn't need to know that. They also did not need to know that I had accepted the position and told them that I needed to finish my two weeks. I wasn't going to give them my two weeks though. I was going to make it look like it was a competition and try to string it out for those two weeks. The company offered me the outside sales job and nearly begged me to take it. They apologized for making the bad decision of picking Anne over me and told me that they would love to have me in the position. Now let the fun begin. I promptly told them that I would need to think about it as their competitor had just offered me that same job for a higher pay. The look on their faces was to die for. I pretended that it was back and forth for two weeks, which conveniently went over Anne's quitting date and my new job starting date. They got anxious because now they didn't have anyone for the job and finally gave me a final offer. I promptly shot them down and told them that I didn't want to work for a company that treats hardworking employees like poop. They could sleep in the bed they made. I then told them I was starting the next day at the other company. I have never been so happy. But let me know. Was I the jerk? I wish I could say that this is uncommon in the workplace, but I know for a fact that age and sometimes gender play a role in getting hired. At my old job, it was almost non-existent that women worked in the automotive side of the company. HR would tell you that it was because women never applied for the position. But the rumored secret reason on why they didn't want women on second or third shift was because they wanted to avoid any trouble that might come from men and women working together at night. To be fair, if the stories I heard from the old timers at that job are true, that place used to be wild. Anyways, this all changed when our only female associate on first shift wanted to move to second shift. Obviously, management didn't want this, but they legally couldn't deny her request since there was an opening. Anyways, since I got to work with her, she was awesome at her job. She was in college. She had a great head on her shoulders. She quickly became the one person I counted on during my shift since I was the lead. And when a new lead spot opened up, I thought she was the best option for the job. Unfortunately, management didn't agree because they said they wanted somebody with more experience. I took this as she's too young to be in a lead position. And they ended up giving it to another person that had applied that had been there for more years. Personally, I'm not a strong believer that just because someone has been at the job longer means that they are better fit to lead a team. But that's just my opinion. That's it for today's video. If you want to make sure you don't miss out on any content, hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit that bell to turn on notifications. If you want to finish listening to all those stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you're someone who live streams and needs copyright free music, check out the Cream of the Crop music by searching Cream of the Stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you choose. Remember, it's free.